My son wanted me to smile more. <laughs> I didn't know I wasn't smiling. So, turn that frown upside down, I guess. Um, but, you know, out of the mouth of children, remind you of the good life that we have in our Lord and Savior. You know, it's funny Oliver says that because... Uh, our text this morning is John 14 through 16. We're going to pick up kind of in a, a part three of our series, but kind of part two from looking at John, John 14. Uh, I was looking at the text last week, and I was like, I don't know how I'm going to get through all of it. And, and so just trying to chunk this thing together. But uh, the irony of putting a smile on my face is that the disciples at this moment probably don't have a smile on their faces. They are faced with the news that Jesus is going to be leaving them. And I have thought about the sort of uh, emotions that the disciples would be having in this instance. And I don't know that we can begin to really fathom. We have all experienced loss and departure, and we know the heartache of that. But imagine that you have left... uh, all that was familiar to you, to go and be with Jesus, you have gone and experienced incredible things of fishing with Jesus. I mean, that would always be eventful, you know. It was always something, whether it was a huge catch of fish or calming the storm or Jesus walking on, on water, there was always something going on. And this one who has been performing these miracles right before you, the one who has been your comforter, the one who has been your strength and sustenance, the one who has been with you um, throughout all of it, says, a time is coming when I'm no longer going to be with you. And Jesus, he gives his disciples these words, Words about the Spirit, words about what it's going to do and why, it, why it's coming. He's going to help the disciples see that. And here's the reason why he says all that he says. He gives us his sort of purpose statement. It's in John 16:1. He says, all this I have told you so that you will not fall away. All of this that I'm going to share with you, Jesus says, all this that I've said is so that you won't fall away. There have been a lot of times in my life where I feel like I have sort of fallen away. There's the simple things of falling away, of just feeling like I no longer want to be a part of this. I remember eighth grade football year. I wanted to follow in my brother's footsteps. He was a football player. I was going to be a football player. And uh, in eighth grade, I hated the coach. Um, As you know, I'm very tender-hearted. So if you yell at me, I I go and cry in the corner. Well, the eighth grade football coach, he was a yeller. He didn't have an indoor voice. And he wasn't kind, you know, and I was just this gentle little butterfly of a child. And and I just I went home after two practices. I was sore in muscles that I didn't know I yet had, and 
um, you know, it was just miserable. And I was just like, I just whined and complained and I quit. And I think it was the first thing my parents ever let me quit. Uh, and then it was just, you know, that was the first domino. Then I quit everything, you know. The, uh, but that once something gets hard and difficult, we all have that tendency to say, you know, am I really, am I really in this? Do I really want to keep going? And I imagine, I, trivial example as it is, but all of us have experiences where life gets really, really hard and we want to quit. We want to give up. We want to sort of just throw in the towel and go and do something else. And when I read John 13 through 17, it's a big picture of people who are really ready to throw in the towel because they don't know what to do next and they're being faced with incredible emotions of heartache, of sadness, of just wondering what is next, what is before us. And so if you can imagine yourself in the shoes of the disciples, you would find yourself with the emotion of wondering what is next and what hope is there if the one who is leading us is leaving us. If the one who we've left everything for is now going to leave us behind. And so throughout the text, Jesus is telling his disciples words of comfort and strength and guidance. Words that the disciples needed to hear and words that I believe we still need to hear today. He says to his disciples, my peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. And so I don't know where you find yourself this morning, whether or not you feel like throwing in the towel or if life has been discouraging or if you're finding yourself sort of cruising along just fine, this text will meet us where we're at because Jesus' words to his disciples are forever true, that Jesus' peace is for us this morning. He leaves us with his peace. And what he does is he begins building out and explaining what it is that his peace is like. What it is that he is giving us as followers of Christ. And he says, he says to the disciples in John 14 that I am the way, the truth, and the life. And his disciples believe that to be true, but they're not really sure about how to keep going forward. And they're saying, we, we don't really know what it is that you're up to yet. And Jesus says, don't worry. Trust in me and trust in God the Father. And he says, I am sending you help. I am sending you help and it is going to be an advocate. It's going to be a counselor. It's going to be a comforter to you. I am sending you my spirit, but I can't send my spirit unless I go. So when I go, I'm going to do this thing. And this thing is going to be something good for you. And he's saying, but you have to trust me. You have to trust and know that my departure is the very best thing for you because I will send my spirit. And so in John, we can uh, walk through the text a little bit. In John 14, 15, he says, If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you 
another advocate to help you, to be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. This Spirit will be with them. The Spirit will be in them. It will be the Spirit of truth. And this, uh, and this Spirit will be a teacher to them. He says in 14.25, he says, All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things, and he will remind you of everything that I've said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. So the Spirit is going to be with us and in us. He's going to be in the disciples. And the Spirit is also going to teach them and remind them all that Jesus has spoken with them, all that He's said to them. The Spirit is also going to bear witness to Christ. It says in 1526, when the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, He will testify about me, and you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. The Christ Spirit is going to testify about Christ. This is going to what uh, this is going to be what embodies the disciples to be the witnesses of of God, and go forth and spread the good news. So we have the Spirit with them. The Spirit's going to teach them. And the Spirit is going to help them be the witnesses that they need to be in the world. We have then in 16.7, we have uh, Jesus uh, developing this further. We'll continue on from uh, 16.1 though. All this I have told you so that you will not fall away. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this so that when their, when their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me. None of you ask me, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the Advocate will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove the world to be wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the Prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own. He will speak only what He hears. And He will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify Me because it is from Me that He will receive what He will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is Mine. This is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what He will make known to you. Jesus looks at His friends and He says, you guys are filled with grief. And I understand because all of this has to be incredibly overwhelming to them. But He says to them, I'm not leaving you 
alone. I will send my spirit and the spirit will keep encouraging you and building you up and pushing you forward. And the spirit will come. And when this spirit comes, he is going to convict the world about sin and judgment and righteousness. When we ask, what is the work of the spirit? The work of the spirit is to guide us and lead us to Jesus Christ. Discovering him to be the way, the truth, and the life. The Spirit's work is to show the world and convict the world about what true righteousness is, about, what the, about who the truth is, and the truth about sin and brokenness. Why does Jesus send the Spirit? But the, to convict the world and help them know that Jesus is the one and only Savior and King of the world. It's to reveal Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life. And so then the question becomes, in my mind, and hopefully in yours, is how this helps us not fall away. Have you ever, in your walk with God, fallen away? Have you ever been so frustrated and discouraged with yourself, discouraged with other people, that it just felt like, I don't want to do this anymore? And if you've had that feeling, if you've had that emotion, then I think that you start to get a sense of how it felt for the disciples in saying, we really don't know that we can keep going forward with this. And so looking at the disciples' response, they are baffled at the fact that they would scatter, but Jesus says, guys, you're all going to scatter. A time's coming and it's not too far away that things are going to get really serious and you're going to look at your life and you're going to be like, I'm getting out of here. But within all of this is the story of Scripture And the Spirit descends on those same people that scattered and it empowered them in a way that they never thought or imagined. It gave them the courage and strength to go forward from the day of Pentecost forward that they were so encouraged and empowered by the Spirit of Christ that the very same persecution, the very same suffering that Jesus Christ suffered on the cross, the same persecution that had them scattering before, they now have the power of spirit within them to face the greatest hardship, to face the greatest struggles. They are filled and empowered by the Spirit of Christ, the Advocate. And so they will themselves go before judges and rulers and they will preach the greatest messages of their lives announcing jesus christ as lord and savior they will have the courage and strength to say what needs to be said under threat of their own lives you see the promise of jesus to say you can trust in me just as you have trusted in the father and i give you this peace they had a peace that was greater than the understandings of this world because they had the peace of christ with them And though there were moments in their lives when they were ready to give up, 
they lean they learn to lean on the power of the spirit of christ to empower them to help them to toil in the name of christ that they would face famine and persecution and suffering imprisonment and even death for the sake of christ how are they able to do that why are they able to do that i believe the answer to be as simple as the spirit of christ is in them i encourage you from romans chapter 8 that the spirit that was in jesus christ that raised him from the dead is that very same spirit that's within you. I don't know why this series has been as difficult as it has been for me. Wendy told me, probably so that I rely on the spirit more than myself. She's smart like that. I sensed it. I knew that, but she just pointed it out. There hasn't been a single time in this series where I've stood up confident with this is going to this is going to knock their socks off. I mean all the other sermons they come together like that. But this series, this series has been something like a wrestling match. And I wonder I wonder if our relationship with the spirit is just that sort of way. where we get so distracted and we get so busy and we get so flustered and so worried and so, like, we have all of these things going on. And tucked in the heart of John's Gospel is the reminder that this Spirit is ours to have, is this Spirit that offers us peace and strength and comfort and wisdom, and discernment, and strength to keep going, to not give up, to not fall away, to not fall away from the church, and fall away from God, and fall away from relationships that matter, not fall away in our marriages, not fall away in our work, but to be built up, and encouraged, and empowered to know that the same Spirit of God that was in Jesus to raise Him from the dead is the same Spirit that's inside each and every one of us. Why don't we hear that? Why don't we feel that? That Spirit is in you. And He wants to help you. And so I think about our lives and I think about hope for the hurting and I just want to have an encouragement to you today that if you're hurting... There is hope for you because there is a spirit here who will comfort you and strengthen you. There is a spirit who cares deeply for you. And this spirit has overcome the entire world and all of the darkness and all of the sin and all of the shame. Jesus says that in this life you will have trouble. His closing encouragement in chapter 16 says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. 
And I know there are so many things going on in each of your lives and so much heartache and so much sadness and so many things that we just can't wrap our heads, uh, our heads around and things that we can't fix. And Jesus says all of these things so that we won't fall away and we will trust that he's the one who has the power to redeem, to save, to, get, uh, uh, to vanquish evil from this world and to rise us victorious in the Son of God. The spirit that has overcome the world is the spirit that is alive in you. And when I think about my walk with God and growing in Him, I want to keep growing in lockstep with Jesus Christ. And John 15 is a sort of parable for us to instruct us, to guide us forward, to help us to continue to grow in our faith. And you may have all the hope in the world, but you're wondering, Jordan, what's the next step in my life with God? And Jesus gives us this grand invitation in John chapter 15. He calls us to a life on the vine of Jesus Christ. And he says, you are to love God and to love others. You are to obey me and love me. And the way when we love God, he says, we are remaining in him. He says, remain in me as I remain in you. That that spirit that's in you, don't give up on it. Don't ignore it and continue your life on the vine of Jesus Christ. Continue to grow and bear fruit and trust and know, he says, that you're bearing fruit, but he'll prune it. And I always wish that Jesus, the gardener, didn't like to prune me, but he does. And he's pruning you that you might bear more fruit because there's this really hard reality in life that we grow more when we're hurting. That when we face suffering head on and knowing that we have the Spirit of Christ in us and growing in us, that we have life and we will bear more fruit. When are the greatest moments of growth in your life? What have they been? And John 15 lets us look back on those moments to see that God is pruning us to bear even greater and better fruit for His glory and His honor. I wish it wasn't that way. I wish that we could bear great fruit by sitting and eating potato chips and playing video games. That would be awesome. But instead, we grow in the midst of heartache. We grow in the midst of our sadness because we learn this deep reliance upon the Spirit of Christ to grow and shape us as His children. That we would bear much fruit as we remain in Him. And yet for all of us, Have you received His Spirit? Have you welcomed Jesus to be the leader of your life? If you've never had that moment to say, you know, Jesus is my Lord and my Savior, His Spirit is not in you. His Spirit is not in you. You don't get to just sort of get it. You have to obey Him. You have to trust in Him. 
You have to turn your life over to Him. Read John 13 through 17 and tell me otherwise, but it seems like Jesus is calling us to obey and turn our lives over to Him. To have His Spirit is to confess Jesus as Lord and King. Don't go forward in your life without having the Spirit of Christ to be your peace, to be your strength, to be your hope, to be your guide. Because the Spirit has come to separate us from the brokenness, the suffering, the sin of this world. And to make us new people in Him. Jesus challenges us. He says, remain in me as I remain in you. And it may sound like kind of a cheap answer. If you walk out of the room this morning and say, what's the application? The application is to remain. I want you guys to stay. But what a grand vision it is, really, truly, to say of yourself, I am going to be a person who remains in Jesus. I'm going to remain in Him even when it gets hard. I'm going to remain in Him and stay in Him even when there are a million other things I'd rather be doing. I'm going to remain in Him even when it would feel so much better for me right now if I could live my life all about me. I'm going to remain in Him. I'm going to love Him and seek Him, obey Him, listen to Him, talk with Him, worship Him. What I have found is it takes a great deal of courage to stay. My, uh, my dad is my hero. He's getting a little older now. He's 64. He and my grandpa bought a business over 40 years ago. I can count on one hand how many times my dad closed the door over 40 years. To have that sort of dedication and commitment says something to our small community in Kalkaska. The doors will be always open and Richard Eckes will always be behind the counter. There was a minister uh, in Livonia, Michigan. His name is Mark McGilvery. And he served the year, uh, served for over 25 years there. He's since retired, and he handed it over. But he wrote in an article how many baptisms he had, how many funerals he had, how many visitations he had over the course of a 25-year ministry there. And when I read the article, I thought, "Gee, I should keep better records." Moral of the story, though, was what remaining. What staying means. And the many thousands of people that he impacted by just staying. Remaining. 
We live in a world where you're given a million different options. We live in an upward mobility society where we look at those who would just stay and remain and we wonder what's wrong with them. What's wrong with people who would stay and remain? I think the greatest things in this world come when we stay. When we stay in Jesus, we stay in one who wants to be our friend. And his comforting words to his disciples is, it may seem like I'm leaving, but I'm not. And not only will I be with you, but I will be with all of those And he will pray a prayer in John 17 where he invites all the people who will learn of him later on and he will tell them and he will pray, God, let me be in them as I am in you. Jesus prays that prayer for us that we might stay in him and glorify him with our lives. I have a great hero. His name is Eugene Beavers. And he's Wendy's grandpa. And in my office downstairs, yeah, I have an office. It's supposed to is where I'm supposed to be. And on the wall it says faith family. Faith family and fr- I don't know what it all says. I haven't been in my office for a while. And underneath it is four plaques, and it's a wood block, and it's Grandpa Beaver's last sermon he preached. He had three ministries over the course of 60 years. He retired, and he served at a church for over 15. His ministry focus was to remain, to stay, to love, to trust in God's Spirit to do the work that he was called to do. He preached his sermon on Sunday, and he passed away. Uh, He had a heart attack on Monday, and he passed away later in the week. Who's your hero? are the people that have made the greatest impact in your life? We would see Grandpa and he would say, Jordan, keep preaching the word. Always. Every time we left, Jordan, keep preaching the word. I imagine the people that have made the greatest impact in your life are those who have remained who've stayed. And here's what I think. The greatest impact Jesus makes in our life is when we remain in Him. Stay in Christ. Whether it's hard, whether it's easy, and you get distracted, and nothing's too difficult going on right now, so just go and do your own thing. Stay in Him. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, we love you. And, and though we look at our lives and we think we want change and we want improvement and we want all of these different things or things are falling apart, uh, God, wherever you find us this morning, together as a church family, we know your Spirit is here and your Spirit's here to comfort and to guide us and to teach us and remind us all that you've taught us. God, your invitation to your disciples was for them to stay in you, to remain in you. God, sometimes we want a grand vision, we want a new trail to blaze. Let us find deep and meaningful satisfaction and wonderful fruit by our life in you, the vine. That apart from you, we can do nothing and we are nothing. But in you, we will bear much fruit for your glory and for your honor. And so God, we pray, help us to stay in you to remain, to remain in you as you remain in us. Lord, you teach us to do that as to love you and to love others. And so help us to continue down the path of love, of kindness, of grace, and mercy, of forgiveness, that we would be patient and kind, that we'd be thoughtful and caring for those around us, that when they see us, they would see you. Lord, help us to remain. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. May the grace of the Lord Jesus and the love of God and the fellowship of His Holy Spirit be with you all. Let's stand and sing. Lord, I come, I confess, bowing here.